This is an encore presentation of the Catholic Cave. We hope you had a blessed and heartfelt Christmas and wish you the best throughout the coming year. For almost 2,000 years, the Catholic Church has pointed the way towards salvation through Jesus Christ. For each of us, that journey starts in darkness, as if in a cave, or in the words of Paul, at present we see indistinctly, as in a mirror, but then face to face. We invite you now to come with us as we seek wisdom and truth by way of faith and reason with your guides Mark Tuttle and Timothy O'Donnell. Join us in the Catholic Cave. Welcome once again to the Catholic Cave. I'm Kent Blanford in the cave with me. Two of the most festive cavemen you're ever going to meet, Mr. Timothy O'Donnell and Mr. Mark Tuttle. Gentlemen, it is the day before Christmas, and so it's only appropriate that we start with some Christmas music. Beg the folks in MasterCard, don't cut me off today. Please don't let my lack of funds get in spending's way. The kids, they all want cars this year, new phones and new iPads. And every single thing they've seen in all those Christmas ads. I'd love to fill their stockings full with everything they ask. But a lack of cold hard cash makes that a daunting task Could you increase my credit line and please do make it soon An adequate amount might be a bit beyond the moon And as you might have guessed, our subject for this week, for better or worse, is consumerism Now, I gotta admit guys, when I saw the text that came around saying our subject this week was going to be consumerism, the first thought that ran through my mind... You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Are we being Grinchy by talking about consumerism the day before Christmas, or is it the perfect time to bring up the subject? No, we don't want to give anybody any guilty consciences at all. But it is on the it is on the top of everybody's mind, I think. As you go into Christmas, one of the things I think every family struggles with is how do we balance this out? How do we balance out the the gift giving, the 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 food, the the consumption with, you know, the the true meaning of Christmas, the religious side of it, and um, how do we not let the one kind of overtake the other? Yeah, that's Trying to strike that balance is so important because we want to, we, we can get caught up in uh, the spirit of uh, giving, but in order to give, one must first possess, right? Or, <laughs> or more importantly, procure or procure, <laughs> right? That's even better way to put it, Mark. Yeah. So, and then of course there's a uh, so there's a lot to that. So we're going to spend today a uh, good, uh, good part of today just kind of uh, going through um, again the philosophy. Uh, and some of the philosophical pr- principles, maybe drivers behind consumerism, materialism, um, as we as we are uh, entering into this the holy season of, of of Christmas, and also take a look back at kind of the Catholic philosophical tradition and see what kind of cues we can gain from there as far as how to kind of overcome the consumerism that goes on around Christmas and how to how to maybe uh, approach it a little bit differently from kind of a, a Catholic perspective. And I think, you know, what will be helpful too, for those, for our listeners who have um, uh, heard previous shows 
around uh, virtues, when we brought up virtues, I think we're going to use um, the language of, of some of the virtues, I think, as we as we move through, because I think cons- what I'm going to throw out there first, Mark, get your reaction to this. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to um, make the claim that cons- consuming itself in and of itself isn't bad or wrong or good. It's part of the part of uh, human part of being a human being is we, we uh, produce things, um, we consume things, uh, we create things and we love things. And so can being a consumer in and of itself is uh, I mean, we have to con- we have to consume a whole bunch of uh, different types of material things. But we're also, I would say, a sort of a consumer of um, intellectual or spiritual goods as well. But at this time of season, the emphasis or the draw tends to be towards the material goods. And therein, if we over rotate into that space, that's where I think the problem lies. What do you think? Yeah, I think the, another aspect to it is the value that we place on the material things. I mean, when you when you go out and you buy a shirt, you generally don't just buy your shirt to cover your body and give you warmth. There's other value that you Except add in the into cave. it. Well, even in the cave, <laughs> even in the cave. You know, the, uh, the 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 big furry vest-like thing that you're wearing right now. I kind of like Fred Flintstone's uh, <laughs> outfit. If I could find a shirt like that right. with that matching blue tie, I would do it. But I haven't found it in my size yet. Exactly. And although it's a joke that you want to dress so that you look like Fred Flintstone, the reality is generally when we purchase things, generally when we buy, generally when we value things, it's not for the things in themselves but it's for the image or person that it, it projects and and the, the the idea of kind of who we become when we wear those clothes, when we drive that car, when we have that iPad, when we drink that coffee. Um, the value that we place on those things is a transferred value that we generally try to get from some projection of who we want to be. That's, a, that's such an important point about how it ties into one's self-image, preconceived notions, identity. Um, these are all really important philosophical principles that work. So, Mark, let's help our listeners by thinking about, maybe frame for us a little bit about, so now here we are. It's kind of uh, when this, when this uh, program is airing, We here we are. It's It might be Christmas Eve, right? I mean, time's up. <laughs> you know, it's that last weekend before, uh, the, before Christmas Day itself. Which is what that this is like when all the pressure's on. Oh, if yeah. you're not ready, you know, if you don't feel like you've acquired or procured enough gifts, now the pressure's on, and the and advertisement is full blown, right? Right, and I think all good solid cavemen out there can relate to the feeling of. Oh my gosh! It's four thirty on Christmas Eve afternoon. It looks like it's going to be another Walmart Christmas. Right, right, right. Because <laughs> they have a little Why bit of that everything. sound like a name of a country song? <laughs> <laughs> right, because we we maybe haven't done any shopping at that point. Right? Exactly. Gotta, Other than in our minds. Right. And, you know, at that point, even Amazon can't save you. Right. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless they – maybe next year as they perfect their drone j- delivery. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, then then, then we're, you're, we're really frenzied, right? 
And, and, and once again, I think part of it is that that image that we're trying to project with it. So um, we want, and, and as parents, I think we fall into this trap. We want to have the perfect Christmas for our kids. We want, we want to create those memories. We want those kids to grow up remembering, you know, the, the family. And so we want everything to be Stahlbaum perfect. You know, the, the Stahlbaums are the, the family and the Nutcracker. And so they start off with the perfect ballroom and the perfect Christmas tree and, and the perfect Christmas party. That's what I think we all project and what we want. And so we, we spend most of Advent, I think, trying to, you know, procure and, and buy and prepare and get ready so that we can have that perfect Christmas celebration. And, um, you know, the obvious flaw with that is, of course, then then we're really kind of neglecting and missing, you know, the religious side of Christmas and, and trying to prepare ourselves spiritually for the coming of Christ. But I think we also, you know, I, I hate to say it, but there's something almost diabolical about the emphasis upon having the perfect Christmas, having the gifts and all of that, um, there, there's something diabolical in the true sense of the word diabolical. In other words, divided will. Um, mm. you know, the, the word diablos in, uh, or diabolos in um, Greek comes from dia to divide and, and bolos, will. So it's, it's a divided will is, is really what diabolical is. And, um, you know, the, the gifts and, and the, the ideas behind them, the value we place on them, it really does kind of split us apart and it, it pulls us apart from the families and things that we're trying to bring together. Yeah, and it, uh, it, it begins to, if we're not careful um, in, in, in venturing into this, this realm of uh, overblown consumerism, ourselves and others, it begins to really manifest itself in a lot of, um, I would say, uh, potentially, um, and and it can even become sinful, right? Become sinful, it become uh, it can become you can begin almost like a vicious cycle because if we allow our desires to, which is our will, to overwhelm us or our emotions overwhelm us, then our intellect, our ability to reason will be subjugated to it, and then we wind up doing all kinds of crazy things. Yeah, I think a lot of people forget about that last commandment, that 10th commandment, not to cover, covet your neighbor's goods and, and house and, and donkey and, uh, you know, the things that your neighbor possesses. Um, you know, it's, Ooh, maybe outdoor Christmas light decorations. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that's a huge... There's a whole show on that now. I just <laughs> learned about. There's... <laughs> It's called like Christmas light wars. And right. uh, that's like we're going to compete, right? We're right. going to compete. And you we're going to pit two families against each other to <laughs> with, see. With Christmas right, lights of all can, things. Who can outdo each other with the yeah. 25,000 lights. 100 per, per strand, <laughs> Russ. Right. <laughs> and the winner is the electric company. Right. Bingo. Exactly. Or Walmart. <laughs> or or the, the television station putting the, uh, the show on. Correct. <laughs> right. Right. But no, the, but the, Christmas lights are nice. But again, it's I, I'm going to say it goes back to kind of this goes back to virtue a little bit around you know temperance is is maybe I think about the four cardinal virtues: prudence, temperance, uh, justice, and fortitude. Temperance might be the virtue most probably ought we ought to be leading with here in the the final. The final Christmas, uh, well, bit, uh, b- leading up to Christmas morning, and then of course we have the Christmas season. But 
but temperance is the one that maybe we dispatch with right. as a good American consumers and kind of go hog wild, as they say. Right, right. Well, you know, going back to the uh, the idea of envy there, too, is the, the, the Tenth Commandment, you know, thou, thou shalt not covet your neighbor's goods. That's the only commandment when you think about it. And it's also attached to one of the seven deadly sins. So, Ooh, you know, the, the, which are to be avoided, which are to be avoided. <laughs> exactly. So you, you have envy as a, as a deadly sin, but you also have it as one of the, the, the commandments. And I, I mean, mm-hmm. I guess you could say lost and adultery are, are also connected. So maybe it's not strictly the only one, but still, I think there's a, a significance there that, that not only the act, but this of, time of year, right. envy is the one that shows up. Right. right. Exactly. And it's and in a lot of ways, it's because the act of it and, and committing the sin itself is the habit that draws you further into the sin, right? Which yeah. which makes it particularly bad and pernicious. I also think consumerism run amok um, is also an example of um, misdirected self worth. So, in other words, when um, if I begin, if I if I um, become of the mind in which I my I sense my own value or worth is derived from or somehow caught up in the material goods that I possess or am trying to possess, that's when I lose, that's when I begin to lose uh, control, right. uh, honestly, whereby by it feels like I'm actually exercising control, but I'm actually losing control because I'm actually losing myself in the process. And depending on the value that you're putting on the goods, like, like I said, you know, once again, you know, we don't procure things really usually for the sake of themselves. I mean, if, if we really were buying a car just simply as a modes of transportation, we'd all be owning, you know, a, a bare bones, you know, factory model. Yeah, If it were all about function or utility, they'd look maybe a little different. Exactly. Exactly. So so well, we, we like a we like a uh, race, you know, we like a racy looking sports right, car. Right, because of because of who it projects us to be. You know, correct, we we, correct, we let our identities yeah. get get wrapped up in it. And and I think, you know, that that process of of allowing our identity to get wrapped up in the goods that, that we procure, that really leads to a whole slew of other societal issues. So we're going to have to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about that cascade that, that envy mm. can, can sometimes create. And we'll be back with more of The Catholic Cave right after this. The only thing that I want for Christmas is to be able to listen to your guys' radio because it's so great. Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to the Catholic Cave. I'm Kip Lanford in the cave with me, Mr. Timothy O'Donnell, Mr. Mark Tuttle, on this beautiful Christmas Adam morning. You guys are kind of looking at me. Christmas Adam. It's, you know, because tomorrow's Christmas Eve and everybody knows Adam came before Eve. So this is Christmas Adam morning. We're talking consumerism, which is kind of a heavy topic, but uh, at the same time, you know, maybe ties into what we're doing this afternoon, Christmas shopping, or mm-hmm. tomorrow, giving gifts, or the day after that, actually celebrating Christmas, and then the day after that, returning gifts. So, 
Or taking advantage of the sales and uh, buying there, even more stuff. Right. There right. is that. So, guys, how does it all fit together? Yeah, I, I think a lot of people, when they hear consumerism and they hear a couple of old scolds like us sitting in a radio studio, you know, <laughs> shaking our fingers. Wag, wag, wag goes right. the finger. You know, the first thing they think about is, you know, the accumulation of debt and, and how, you know, that affects things or, you know, the the, the purchasing things that you can't really afford and, and why that's bad. And, and or I, don't really need. And, and I think the... The, the bad side of that is is pretty obvious to everybody. Um, but I think there's a deeper problem to a certain extent that, that has to get addressed when we start looking at all of the things we procure. And it's not just Christmas. I mean, I think this is just gen, you know life in general. And that is that the values that we place on the things that we buy, the things that we purchase, the things that we use come to define us. And they come to define they come to define us in ways that aren't really truly a who we are or who God means us to become. Yes. The, um, yeah, this is where there's a a kind of transference, right. Of, um, from an authentic, I think an authentic Catholic understanding of the worth of the human being comes from the fact that we're made in the image and likeness of God and that we're his children, um, and that we are called to a special destiny uh, to spend all eternity with him in glorious beatitude. Um, and uh, much of this season would, ha- um, th- the commercial side of this season, I'll, I'll put it that way, would have us dispense with that and uh, focus on uh, things. And, and I think this is where, this is where I think the, the sort of void is created is when we focus primarily or even exclusively on the material aspects of our existence. Um, so goods uh, that we're buying, packages, even even in the spirit of, of eventually giving them to others, we if, we're, if that's separated from or cut off from the spiritual goods that we ought to be pursuing, the virtue, the holiness of the season, what the season's all about, um, and the connection to the beautiful liturgies of the Advent season, um, the wonderful traditions um, that come through the faith, come through our families. Um, those are, when, we, when we're cut off from that, the spiritual goods, the spiritual aspects of this, um, of this time of year, then all we're left with is a kind of bankrupt materialism that can't possibly satisfy the hunger of the human soul. Yeah, I mean, beyond just distracting us from the the spiritual goods, they become a replacement to a good extent. You're exactly right, Tim. Um, but a poor, shoddy one. Well, not only a poor, shoddy one, but an and almost and I used this term earlier, diabolical. Yes, yes. Um, substitution. So you you mentioned you know we're we're made in the image and likeness of God, and that really is where all of Catholic morality really stems from. That that fact that we truly, um, as our, our truest selves, are to reflect the essence of, of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, which is self-giving love, right? That's what the, the essence of the Trinity is, an outpouring of oneself to the other, and, and that's the, the, the definition of love. And so what happens when we start to 
place, I, I guess, our, um, our worth and, and our value, not on that fact, but on the things that we procure, the, the, the cars that we drive, the clothes that we wear, um, the types of people that we associate with, all of those things, we create rivalries. And, and so rather than love and an outpouring and a giving of our, ourselves, we turn into beings that want to take and, and want to possess and, and not, and, you know, I guess just the nature of the world because there's limited goods, or at least we think there are always limited goods. Um, it's always at the expense of another. And so what happens is these rivalries and envy. And competition. Of, and competition. A kind of, uh, a kind of uh, not just unhealthy, but a dispirited um, uh, kind of hateful competition. Right. Um, it, it begins to emerge. It, it begins to emerge and it begins to affect our relationships with others. And so then rather than relating to you um, as one who wills your best, I suddenly start thinking about who I am and what I want to be and what I want to become and how I can use my relationship with you to get the things that I want. And it's even worse than if you actually happen to possess or happen to be the type of person that I want to become. So if you've got, if you've got the goods, if you are the hot stuff, then that rivalry gets, gets even worse and even more heated. Right. I I think one of the examples that everyone listening um, will, will can relate to is uh, because it's so, it's so sensational and it's so uh, disheartening and deplorable at the same time as, you know, the whole, um, you know the 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 pent up demand uh, before Black Friday, and then all of a sudden, you know the the doors to the store opens, a big retailer, and people charge in because they've got you know they they've got uh, flat screen you know uh, ninety six inch flat screens on sale for a dollar ninety nine, but they've only got three of them, and there's three hundred people you know, and so then it's a kind of gladiatorial match right, right? in the midst of the store on who's going to get this uh, this flat screen for this you know incredible incredibly low price and uh, yeah there's no and, and there's videos going on and people are right. and it's it's just a deplorable set of set of kind of rivalry competition where you know, what's what's on display well it's not love it's not love of neighbor i mean and we're watching it to see just how far we might sink. And, and and the funny thing is it's almost become ritualized, right? You know, we Oh we, yeah. You know, we, we have movies oh, yeah. we have movies now that we make about the black the, the, you know the, the the Black Friday rush. Right, right, and, right. Uh, to get the doll to, or exactly. whatever and, that is. And every year there's some there's some there's some toy or, or something that's uh, uh, in uh, demand and Yeah, it almost seems like there was for some some of the goods that are out there there's become a, an idolatry about it absolutely yeah Yeah. um so we've seen beanie babies we've seen cabbage patch we've seen pokemon uh my kids are older so mark what 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 do you what do you think is in vogue this year you know that's one of the great question whatever it is we've actually avoided Avoided it it somehow ah there is a god and he's gracious and loving (laughs) yeah no no my kids my kids wish list this year is is your your typical legos barbies you know those those types of okay yeah the the, the classics there's not the american girl um 
you know, rush to get a certain model. Of no, that or, no, no. Okay, yeah. No. I hadn't really heard of one either this year, but usually there's some. There's usually some something in play, right? And if your kids don't get it, you know, then you know that they're going to be the type of kid that gets laughed at when they get back at school after Christmas, and you're going to be the type of parent that is looked down upon because you didn't procure the toy du jour um, for for your kids. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, so. That you know, I think the other one that's that's really there there are kind of standing um, high ticket items, right? Like for example, your your Xbox or your PlayStations, right? right? Those yeah. are four hundred bucks and up, you know. And then you throw the games in, and they're sixty bucks a pop, and yep. you know you're 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 dropping some serious money before. Uh, you know it, and, yeah, uh, and that leads to another another you know Christmas ritual of of the uh, the day that the kids get back to school after Christmas, the uh, the ritual of what you get, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. They talk amongst themselves. Exactly. What what would you get? And, <laughs> right. and uh, yeah, I, I feel very sorry for that kid that that has to sit there and go, yeah, I got some socks, <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, let's go back to uh, – I'd like to return back for a minute if we could, Mark. Um, I thought what you were pointing pointing us to was um, you know, very, very helpful and very important, which is that as we consider, consider in today's show the topic of consumerism and how consumerism uh, – consumption itself is not is not bad or, or evil or anything like that. We have to consume things to to live and to flourish. Um, but but there's, an, there's this uh, – a craving – right for uh possessions and that you had linked to envy which is one of the deadly sins right right you know and and when you use the word craving i think it's an excellent word to use for it because it's a perverted desire right yeah when you, you know, crave something exactly you know as it's like he, almost uncontrollable and, and once again i think the the contrast between holy desire you know that mm-hmm. that desire that that saint augustine expresses is you know my my heart is is restless until it rests in you oh lord you know that that type of desire for god you know you can read the psalms and recognize that that holy desire for god it becomes a craving when it's placed on um not only another object, but once again, I see, you know, the value that we put on those objects, you know, that, that object that we just have to have so much that we're craving it. It's not because we put that much worth on that particular object. It's because we put that much worth on the type of person that we think that will allow us to become. Yes. And so, um, that type of craving um, really does become an idolatry very quickly that moves us away from, Focusing on God, focusing on giving of ourselves to others rather than possessing the things that we need to be able to form ourselves into the person that we think that we ought to be. You know, that's going to be an excellent point. I know we're going to have to take a break here in a minute. And maybe when we come back from the break uh, here, let's really maybe talk, uh, let's begin to talk a little bit about how we begin to make the turn out of consumerism. And let's talk maybe what ideally what this season could or should be about and maybe how to set some boundaries or some guardrails so we don't go spinning off into, you know, consumerism land and then, uh, you know, get, you know, one, one of the things that always dread is, in Jan- you know, about, the, about mid-January, you get the what? 
you get the bills. The bills. <laughs> the bills. Right. Yeah, that's when the the Visa, the Mastercard, uh, and others begin to um, exact their pound of flesh for any indiscretions we did with our spending. And we need to take a break. We'll be right back with more of the Catholic Cave on Catholic Radio Indy right after this. Keep the focus on Jesus this Christmas season. To remember what Jesus did for me. Keep my mind focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back once again to the Catholic Cave. And we are having our caveman version of a Christmas special. Yes, we are. (laughs) Or or not so special. Or not so special. (laughs) Well, it's been kind of, it's been a bit of a, we've been talking about sort of the, the, uh, to to, to borrow a a phrase from that uh, popular TV series, Stranger Things, sort of the upside down of Christmas. Exactly. So now we want to pick it up, though. We want to get away from uh, the excesses and the, 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 the dangers that that brings to our soul and move in a more productive and positive direction lest too many people think that we are turn it off a couple of grinches <laughs> sitting here right, exactly right, scolding right. people for for correct, all that they've correct, bought and all the, right. the the gifts they're about to exchange yeah. the next morning and and there's absolutely nothing wrong with buying things with needing things with having things no with, that's actually um, good that's actually and, a good and, thing. and particularly you know the uh, tradition of gift giving at christmas wonderful is a wonderful tradition exactly absolutely. i mean there, there there's nothing wrong with it um but there's something special too about someone both the giving and the receiving exactly right? about, hey, and I'm, i mean the you know the the idea of giving gifts is very much rooted in the Christian idea of charity, of giving of yourself to others. And, uh, of the greatest and, and gift of all, exactly. salvation. And, right? and laying, laying yourself, it's supposed to remind us of the, the gift of salvation that the Christ child was. So, you know, obviously, you know, we don't want to be too grinchy when we start talking about consumerism and uh, sit there and bah, humbug on the whole <laughs> yeah. thing. You know, that's, yeah. not, that's not the point here. But consumerism particularly in America, particularly in Western culture, is a pernicious, pernicious undercurrent, not only at Christmas time, but constantly. Um, you know, 365 days a year, we're projected with advertising, we're bombarded with ideas mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. thoughts and... Um, Online advertising. And advertising. Yeah, and and by And it. by constantly putting those goods in front of us and particularly packaging them up on attractive models... Um, you know, people that we see as successful, it's a constant reminder to us from the consumers that we need to buy stuff and procure stuff so that we can become people who we are not. And not only is that, you know, spiritually devastating, it's psychologically devastating. You know, it takes a, it takes a huge psychological toll, I think, on our whole society by constantly reminding us that we are not really the people whom we ought to be. Yes, it's, it's a... Uh it's a it's an attempt uh, often at the root of advertising, um, and it's an attempt to um, uh, an appeal to our desires. Uh, our desires then being rooted in um, or linked to other people's desires. So we might want things because we see other people already have them, or other people want them too. People we admire, people we look up to, uh, people who are famous. Um, and so this is where we can, this is where Hollywood, I think, presents a tremendous amount of trouble oh, <laughs> actually yeah. for us. Hollywood, Madison Avenue. The, the Working te- together. Right. The, the, tele- and, the television and, and shows. And internet providers. Exactly. Yeah. The, the, the television shows then where those advertising are, you know 
put put out. I mean, it's all one big you know consumer empire to a certain extent, and it's all directed to move our desires away from um, you know the higher things towards um, the mundane, the the mundane, but also towards the things that we're honestly never going to be able to have and never going to be able to procure. And so ultimately, in the end, it kind of makes us miserable. Yeah. Well, it's never not, nothing material. No material good will ever quench our thirst for God. It just it, it can't happen. So the more we rely upon and seek material goods to sake that thirst, the more disappointed we ultimately will become and the actual thir- the, the more of a deprivation we'll experience. Right, because it's not only the tantalizing effect of you know the, these objects that, that we're really never ever going to be able to have and even if we can't acquire them they're not going to satisfy the true desire that or once they, you they get them we're look how fickle we are exactly right you get to maybe you get everything you wanted or the that one gift you're thinking oh, i really want this watch or whatever that is and then you get it and then how long how long is it before we're bored or you know uh, our ingratitude shows up or you know what I mean? Or we're just right. indifferent. Because once again, it's not the it's not the object itself that we're desiring. It's the, we think it is, but it's, it's not. It, it's the value <laughs> that we've bestowed on it, and Correct. it's and that value usually comes from a desire to be somebody else. You know, that watch that I yeah, want. It's, it's gonna make me it's look gonna make, like it's gonna make me look like James Bond. That's why right. I want it. I want to be makes James me Bond. look like Brad Pitt. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. And and so so there's there's that side of it, but there's also I think the transference, once again, away from, you know, what we're called to as Christians, which is to pour ourselves out sacrificially for the sake of the other. And that gets transferred to really an ethic of of envy, an ethic of desire, an ethic of competition, an ethic of, you know, I'm going to get while the getting's good, um, Mm -hmm. no matter who's in my way. And that really is where Christianity, I think, um, differs significantly from the ethic and 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 virtues and things that are celebrated within our secular culture. Yes, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, Christian morality, Catholic moral teaching, uh, both from a philosophical and theological framework, is distinctive um, on a, a variety of different ways. Um, not the least of which, as you just talked about, is that there there are the um, Truth, perennial truth claims that are made. That there, there are claims, and there's there's claims that are put on us as children of God um, towards our brothers and sisters in need, and that there is a we have a special obligation for the poor. Our Lord Himself, in His own words, commands that we. Uh, serve the needs of the poor and the vulnerable amongst us. And we neglect that at our own peril. And it's it's crystal clear in the Gospels. Right. And, and not only that, but social teaching um, from the church takes it even a step further and says that we're supposed to have solidarity with the poor. Correct. We're not just supposed to serve the poor, but we're supposed to identify ourselves with the poor, with the downtrodden, with the lepers, with the outcasts, with with those that the right. Rest... We're not just throwing 
coins at them from our uh, uh, you know our right. luxurious uh, coach as we as we drive down the streets, <laughs> and, and, and you know, other, bestowing largesse on them and, and our magnanimity, and you know, and our, our our regal our regal uh, state. No, right. we're and to we're to we're to join them exactly. You know, the, uh, the the probably the worst Christmas song ever made um, has the line, "Thank God it's them and not me." Oh. <laughs> Good and Lord, so, that's the opposite exa- of like the sinner's prayer. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And and I think that's, you know, the, the culture of envy that, that gets created around the, the consumerism. And once again, you know, when, when, when we're envying, it's not for the sake of the goods. It's, it's envying so that we can become like somebody else. And that's idolatry. You know, when you, when you make a, another person or an image of another person or some vision of who you're supposed to become – that's putting, you know, basically the image of God, whom we're made in the like, image and likeness of, and that's our ultimate destiny to become like God. As Christians, yeah, th- that's yeah. the moral trajectory of our lives. Yep, to grow um, in holiness and virtue. Absolutely. But when we allow the, the the goods and 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 the things that are out there to put a different image of whom we should become, that becomes idolatry. And so mm-hmm. that you know that 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 worship of perfection, that worship of becoming somebody else, that worship of, of power, of wealth, of luxury, of, of all that goes into that. Um, it, it divides us as, as people, and it leads us into rivalries, and it leads us into almost an ethic of, you know, the, the, the strongest will survive. Yep, that's, uh, those are all the ills that come with it. So, Mark, what's the antidote? Well, and, and that's, I think, why we're talking about this for a Christmas show. Um, you know, when Christ came to the world, God of the universe, who had created the entire universe, he came as a, a baby in a manger and a small backwater in, in Bethlehem as a symbol to us that that itself is perfection. So, you know, and, and the profound nature of that thought that... Um, Perfection is not at all rooted in anything that we could desire here on earth. Um, there, there, there's no power. There's no possession. There's no car. There's, there's nothing that is going to bring us joy and happiness. It is solely 100% that Christ child um, come to earth. That, I think, is the starting point. Yes, I, I love that scene in um, Charlie Brown Christmas. Right where Linus gets up, Kent, you and I were talking about this before the show began. Um, where Linus uh, is on stage and tells the nativity story right out of St. Luke's Gospel, and it's a uh, it's it's simple and majestic all at the same time, and it's it stirs the heart as to um it, it's, it's referred to right as the greatest story ever told and uh no no more fitting title i think has ever been uh, uh, put to you know de- as a descriptive of that is that here the god of the universe as you mentioned bursts into the drama of human existence to become one of us to have solidarity with us and then show us the way right and not only show us the way but to a certain extent show us the lie um you know to to kind of reveal what illusions and things have been cast by our constant desiring to be like other people. Um, you know, his, his very act of, of, of becoming incarnate here on earth and his life, his teachings, his death, 
his resurrection and his ascension, they all kind of unmask the continual drama and, and trials that have been going on throughout human history that, that center around that ethic of, of envy and, um, and striving and grasping for something other than him. Right. And it dispels, um, it ca- as, you, as you point out, it, he, that the coming of the Christ child dispels um, our illusions and our misdirected um, affirmations of the, the strong, the powerful, the wealthy, uh, the influential as the ones we should be looking up to for those reasons. And rather, he's born what? He's born, he's born in, a, in a stable. He's born in a, a cave. He's, he's placed in a manger um, in swaddling, in all, in all humility and in all poverty. That's who our Savior is. And so what a, what a contrast to, to, to even for 2,000 years later, we are, st- we are still just, it seems to me, just still just beginning to— uh, love and appreciate the 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 both the incarnation and the nativity of our Lord. And I think we're coming up on uh, another break, so we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with uh, one last segment of our Christmas edition here in the cave. And you guys just mentioned the uh, Linus on the peanut special, so during this break, here's Linus. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Welcome back to the Catholic Cave. I'm still Timothy O'Donnell in here with Mark Tuttle, our trusty sidekick. Kent Blanford is in the cave as well, as usual. Uh, we have been talking about uh, the season of Christmas and consumerism and some of the pitfalls that might go along with that. But now we've also taken a turn a little bit and started talking about um, some of the positive aspects of it. I, I wonder, Mark, if you, um, having just heard that little snippet from... Uh, I love I love peanuts. I love their holiday specials. Um, would you throw out there for us, Mark? May, maybe we all love a good Christmas story. Are there any stories or movies or plays? What what comes to mind? What's a what's a tradition that maybe you have or you would recommend to our listeners? I guess it depends on how you define tradition. So you know, if a tradition is something that you do year after year after year, I don't necessarily sit down and watch this movie every year. But you know, It's a Wonderful Life gets a lot of play right around this time of year, and um, yeah, I, that one I think always does kind of hit that that to a certain extent true meaning of of Christmas that you know rather than getting wrapped up in in who we ought to be or who we ought to become. Um, you know, it's a wonderful life. Really shows it, it. It is simply who we are, and and you know who we are as people is defined by 
every small action of our life along the way and not necessarily our great big grand schemes of who we want to become ultimately. Um, and that's what, that's what makes us heroes in the end are the, the small acts and not any great big giant act of, of, you know, singular sacrifice at the end. It's a fantastic Christmas movie. And, uh, you know, I think it, it always, it always puts me in, uh, I guess, kind of a, a mindset of, of contemplating, what it meant for Christ to come and, and be among us. I, I love that movie. I, 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 I watch it every year, so at least once. And I do, it has so many uh, good lessons to learn uh, that we can draw from it, right? I mean, and cinemat- you know, cinematically, it's a fantastic movie. It's one oh, of, you the know, acting's one of, great uh, all exactly. the way through. I mean, it's it's always ranked as one of the best movies ever made. So yeah, it's a it's a it's a treat to watch. You know, when when you get a chance. I think for me, one of the other ones, and there's some disagreement, just for um, kind of a light-hearted one, um, would be National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And I know <laughs> Ken can't stand it. I don't think, but I, I am just uh, goofy enough to really appreciate some of uh, Chevy Chase's dry humor and in, in his role and. Uh, from 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 the scenes from the the you know the the Chris putting the Christmas lights in the house and the you know he's over the top he tries so hard and then he overdoes things and then the things kind of backfire on him and I just I I still kind of like the kind of slapstick humor that he's able to kind of smuggle into the into that uh, program that certainly has many many. Uh, uh, quotable lines in there yeah. memorable and, and even though you watch the movie for the lines and the, the action you know there there is a, a very you know just kind of gentle theme there yeah. of trying to avoid the the trap of trying to create the perfect christmas for your family Correct. because that's going to wind up distracting you once again from all and the, all the disappointment exactly and, yeah, and yeah. distract you from the small moments of joy that, that, that come along the way yeah. You know, for me, it's not so much the movies as it is the music. I've oh. been a musician all my life, and there's all kinds of songs that you only get to hear at Christmas. And they're, they're, they're just the wonderful pieces that kind of bring it all together. But there, there are a few songs that, honestly, when I hear them, I kind of go, really? Really? Um, for example, we've been talking consumerism. Okay? There's a song, uh, Do You Hear What I Hear? There's a line in there where they, they say, a child, a child, shivers in the cold, let us bring him silver and gold. Bring him a blanket. <laughs> right, Be more practical. Right. I mean, what, what good is silver and gold? And, you know, from the consumerism <laughs> standpoint, when you look at it, giving money just to give money, you know, it, yes, it does some good. But what about a more direct approach? What about giving mm-hmm. the blanket instead of giving the gold? And well, that's a great point. I mean, yeah. when you think about like uh, like what can we do to more fully join in the Christmas season, um, charitable giving is incredibly important. And so um, lots there are lots and lots of organizations that are worth our, our um, active support, uh, not just with prayers, but financially as we're able to. But in addition to that, it also is uh, it also can be uh, very, very beneficial to, as you were talking about, roll up our sleeves and actually go help at some of these organizations and volunteer at them and not just uh, support them financially, which is super important, but also help them by what through acts of what? 
char- charitable activity, the solidarity that comes with working at a food pantry, working at a shelter, uh, volunteering some time, this, especially this time of year when they 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 tend to be very busy. Right. You know, can't your uh, you know joke about you know why didn't they bring him a blanket if he's shivering in the cold? It does remind me of one of my favorite Christmas stories, and this has become kind of a tradition in our, our household of reading the the worst best Christmas pageant ever. That's a fantastic book uh, that, that we read as a read aloud. I think it's been made into some sort of, of movie or theatrical production. But uh, yeah, the, uh, the the town ruffians to a certain extent, the, the kids that everybody knows, yeah, you see them coming down the street, you just kind of need They're to... They're trouble. Yeah, you need to avoid them. They, uh, they catch wind that if they uh, try out for the Christmas pageant, then they'll get free donuts. So that's a good motivator. I could it, I could see that exactly. So they they show <laughs> up and take they show up and take all the leading roles in, oh. the, uh, in the Christmas pageant and and uh, trouble ensues. Trouble yeah. ensues, but also the peeling back of of the meanings within Christmas and and okay. and the symbolic um, aspects. I think to the nativity story start to come back when they're presented to and from fresh eyes. So well, it's what's a, the name of that again? It's the the best worst. Christmas pageant ever, or maybe the worst, best Christmas pageant ever, okay. um, depending on how you read it. Okay, but, uh, well, we'll have to pick that up. Yeah. One we'll definitely have to take a listen to, uh, a reading of. We've got uh, just a few more minutes here, guys. Christmas. Let's go back to your childhood. Best Christmas ever. What was it? Ooh. Stumped them both. No, you didn't. Ooh. You didn't stump me. But go right uh, ahead. No. Go right ahead. Um, we were living in Europe at the time. Uh, my dad was stationed overseas, and so he took the family down to Rome. And so we had uh, Christmas there at um, you know St. Peter's with Pope John Paul II, and uh, you know he walked down you know the the center aisle right next to me, and uh, remember vividly you know going throughout looking at the nativity scenes on on either side with my family, and uh, of course Italy. You know, Rome shuts down for Christmas um, completely. <laughs> and our hotel was probably about a mile and a half, two miles. I think every year that hotel gets further and further away from uh, <laughs> away from the Vatican. They, but, they, uh, they put the mobile in motel, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, my, my little sister was, I think, probably all of about four years old at the time. And so, yeah, I vi- vividly remember walking back to the hotel on a, a quiet Christmas night there in Rome with my dad, with my sister slung over his shoulder, you know, walking back after having, uh, after having been to mass. And, you know, we were Protestant at the time. So this came back years later um, mm. during my conversion, um, you know, as to, you know, why was it so important to, to be at that particular Christmas service? What was it that made that particular one so special? So uh, that's, that's my big Christmas memory. Tim? Oh, for me as a kid... Um it was the most fun I think we had was one year um, my parents bought a big 12-foot toboggan. And I can't remember. I think it was three um, because there was three. My younger brother, um, who's nine years young, wasn't born yet. And um, sorry, Sean. <laughs> but <laughs> we also had three of the... Uh, round like silver discs, oh, uh, saucers. Oh, yeah. saucers. Right. So, and then we 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 I grew up uh, uh, in and around Chicago, and we went to a huge uh, uh, park 
that had uh, not only just not only sledding hills but toboggan runs. So getting on this twelve, you know, at that time there were five of us. Pilot, you know, there was there was mom, then came dad, then my my sister, my older sister, my older brother, and then myself at the very end. I could barely get on. I was and small, and just I just remember shooting down that. It was so much fun. All of us being together and and just enjoying. I mean, that was a you know we were talking about consumer and presence. That was a great family gift that we. I look, it's it's you know thirty no forty years later, and I'm still talking about it. But that was a great great memory. And then using the little those those crazy saucer things were so much fun uh, too. Yeah, I think if I have to look back and say you know which Christmas stands out to me, as a kid, every Christmas was great, but. It was when I was an adult. It was the first Christmas I spent with my new family after I got married. Oh, yeah, it yeah, was, yeah. It was just, it was able to take me back to the days when I was a kid. Because I'd had a number of years in between my parents' passing and getting married where, you know, Christmas, eh, yeah, I'd go down to my brother's or, you know, I'd hang around the house myself, things like that. But when I finally got to spend Christmas with a family again, that was Christmas. That's where it all came back. So, you know, that that's where I kind of look at that and that that's my best Christmas ever. Well, I'll tell you um one of the uh, maybe a quick quick one so with my my own kids, we were building up this is where consumerism got me. So there's a little confession here. We were uh Power Rangers were really big um back in the 90s and we were building up towards uh, Christmas and my boys were uh, super interested in Power Rangers, and I remember, you know, going to the mall and buying everything Power Ranger from action figures to DVDs to uh, all, you know, stuffed animals, the whole thing. Everything I could get my hands on was Power Ranger. I got it, right? Wrapped it all up, uh, put it under the tree, and then literally a couple of days before Christmas— they're like, because uh, they had to watch Power Rangers. As soon as they got home from school, they had, that's when Power Rangers, they had to watch it. Well, I noticed, I'm like, well, what was happening? You know, and they didn't want to watch the show anymore. And literally, for they just like two days before Christmas, uh, we don't like Power Rangers that much anymore. They, they gave it up. They gave it up. <laughs> yeah, they gave it up. And I'm like, oh, no. And then for Christmas, they got all this Power Ranger stuff. And I was like, so I overdid it. And my overdoing it also set it up for a little bit of disappointment there, too. So... We wind up having to, you know, keep your receipts, right? Because we end up going back <laughs> right. to the store, get, changing the Power Ranger stuff out for. I think we had moved Voltron into Voltron or whatever. Came yeah, out, so. I think it was. I think it was uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, right. came on the yeah, scene Vol- and Voltron, Voltron. stole their attention. Yeah, <laughs> I think Voltron uh, predated Power Rangers by sure. a bit, so. <laughs> Well, guys, we started the show today with uh, little Christmas music, so let's wrap it up with the little Christmas music. So. Listen through to the end and uh, join me if you would. Oh Christmas tree, oh Christmas tree, it isn't much as you can see. Just broken sticks, a few round stones, and some of last night's dinner bones. It isn't much as you can see, but it's a caveman's Christmas tree. Oh Christmas tree, oh Christmas tree, how lovely are thy branches. 
And that is all the time we have for the Catholic Cave for this week. For Mr. Mark Tuttle, for Mr. Timothy O'Donnell, for myself, Kent Blanford, and for everyone here at Catholic Radio Indy, we wish you a very Merry Christmas and a happy, blessed New Year. Merry Christmas, everybody. God bless us one and all. On behalf of Mark Tuttle, Tim O'Donnell, and Joseph Tomasian, and all of us here at Catholic Radio Indy, Merry Christmas and a happy and blessed New Year.